Hello everyone and welcome back to Eating Salads. It's me again, Austin Crosby. Casey and I, we just had some delicious pizza rolls that we made. Um, Casey did the dough. It was really mostly her deal, to be honest with you. Uh, all from scratch. We rolled them up. She rubbed them in some garlic, butter, oil, or whatever. And uh, they were salami and cheese. It was a very, very, very good. Very, 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 very good. i tell you what. But uh, earlier today, we had a salad. Anyway, a couple things. I, I learned today, um, all in the beginning of college, like sophomore year of college, my, f- my friend Will and I, we would hang out in his little study, and uh, we'd listen to music, we'd watch movies. It was a very tight snug in uh, Savannah. And uh, one of the musics he would play for me was this musician, Lil Bando. And he was like, oh, always tell me, oh, this is some guy I went to high school with, or he, he grew up in the same town of uh, Webster Grove, St. Louis. And I was always like, yeah, I like Little Bando. When Little Bando comes on, that's chill. You know, it was part of the, part of the playlist. Um, and I guess, I don't know at what point I became aware of 100 Gex. The group 100 Gex, but similar vibe. Similar vibe. I'm sure Will also always knew about him, listened to him, whatever. I don't know if he made me aware of it. I'm kind of dependent when it comes to understanding music, music culture. I don't really know. I can't keep keep it all straight. So anyway, today we were, we were on our laptops here, and I played a thing about 100 Gex, and it was like, oh, it's Lil Bando. From Webster Grove. And I was like, oh, little Bando is 100 Gex? And Will had been, like, talking to us recently about 100 Gex. And I'm just like, you know that's little, Bando. You know he knows. So I just wish he would have put together for me uh, more, more clearly, more obviously, that these were the same. You know, this was a group featuring one half little Bando. And, uh... Interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. One, two degrees of separation, maybe. You could even say. Um, what else? Well, I think we're going to tub here in a little while. i got to put a playlist together. We were just watching Sam and Nick's perfect clips of the Realtor stream, Scuffed Realtor. Can't recommend enough. Every Tuesdays and Thursdays. And someone sent in a house in Littleton, Massachusetts that was pretty cool. At first, you were a little on edge, but it was a really cool house. And uh, Casey and I got laughing really good because Nick has this bit now. He's been doing this episode at least where when he finds out that a house is really cool, at least in this instance, he went over to translate and he started translating uh, scary things about the town to Chinese and trying to translate as if Chinese real estate investors are watching his stream and then going to America. He's trying to turn off the competition, basically. I thought that was kind of funny. <clears throat> um, we went on a scooter ride today to Dairy Queen. That was pretty sweet. We saw a lot of e-mobility people. At one point, uh, there was a guy on an electric unicycle. There's always skateboarders, people with like 
roller skates as well. And it's kind of crazy to think that the rule of the trails right now is that you're no motor vehicles or only bikes basically are what allowed. And it's like, man, that's not chill. You could have a double stroller. That's fine. But you can't have an electric unicycle. You can't have electric scooters. Just seems like needlessly discriminatory. It kind of bugs me. But then you actually go out and the reality is everyone's breaking that rule. And I think it's better they do that than be on a car. Be in a car. Uh, what else today? Continued working wood filling and uh, sanding our lamp. We got the bulb, the new smart bulb in the mail. And I have to say, man, uh, we, all of our smart bulbs since the beginning have been GE for whatever reason. I think in COVID, going to Lowe's, going to Home Depot, the only smart strips that we could source enough of at the time were these Sync by GE. But over the years, they have discontinued, recontinued, updated their support, rebranded at least, okay? Changed the app, put out new products. And in fairness, these ones are still supported, but there were periods where they were not as supported. And I tell you what, I mean, it's not been enough to motivate us to switch brands. Like when we got a new bulb, we still were like, okay, let's make sure it's GE in that same series. But we had to order it because they're no longer at Home Depot. And it came today, and I have the app. And every time I open the app, I have to sign into it, right? Which is a, one of those features of a great app. Blows my mind that a company like GE would still require you to sign in every time you open your app on their phone to control your smart bulbs. But once I did get signed in, credit where credit's due, I hooked up the light really quickly. And I've done it, you know, 12 times, let's say. But it worked this time. Sometimes it would have taken a couple of tries. Attempt three or four might have worked. In the past, they used to disconnect a lot. And I haven't had to reboot one in a long while. So I think in fairness, like GE and their Sync or C by GE or whatever they're calling it now, I think it originally was C by GE when we got all the stuff, and they've changed it to Sync. It's gotten better. You know, it's not gotten worse, for sure. I mean, the signing in, it doesn't matter that much. I mean, I've only really needed to sign in when you need to change the name of a item. Or hook a new one up. But I control them through the smart speaker. And I use uh, that app instead of GE's app, which uh, has always been bad. So I never, why, why would I give it another chance? I'm not going to go there and like ever, I don't know. It's unnecessary. It shouldn't, shouldn't matter if it's good or bad to an extent. But the whole user experience seems to have gotten better. And, uh, I rigged up a clamp light in the general area of where we're going to hang the sconce and lantern type light that I've been working on, Casey and I have been working on. And I clamped up this smart bulb over there and folded it into our routines as they sit. So now it's been going. It can change color if I wanted to, same as all the others. Um, 
And we're pretty happy with the dynamic, the depth of lighting because it was a weird dark corner in an area where like, yeah, why would you need light really over there? But now that it has a light, of course, that cascades, it casts shadows. And uh, the depth, I think, is obvious. The disbursement of light into that corner helps a little bit psychologically. It's really lit up in here. Okay, and another couple things. It said on the box that it would cost $1.14 a year, assuming you run it for three hours a day, which we run more than three hours a day. If I had to guess, I don't know. Let's see. It's based on sundown, so it's not consistent. They go off at 10 p.m. Unless otherwise, you know. So that could be like five hours a day. So more hours a day. But importantly, they said with an electric cost of 11 cent per kilowatt hour, which is kind of optimistic and outdated. But that is what we paid two years ago, right? When we first moved here, that was our average cost. Now that's gone down to a tenth of a cent. So it's like free to run these lights anyway. So we really light it up in here. What else? I feel like there was two things I was going to say in that regard. Oh, we moved the infrared panel. I was caulking in some trim with almond caulk so that it looks fantastic. I'm always shocked at how much of a difference it makes when you do the the last little bits. Like I said earlier, I've been filling nail holes with wood fill putty, but also caulking in the uh, maple on maple seams of the trim that I've just done and the maple on concrete seams of the trim that I've just done closes up that last little bit, that last gap and I don't know, you come over, you look at it, and you're like, oh, wow, nice. You know, and it's always done that. It's always, we have always experienced that. The first time we've put trim in, we were like, wow, that trim, that's such an improvement over that nasty gap. But then the next step is wood filling and caulking, and when you do that, you're like, oh, wow, that, that is such an improvement over what was just there. And then you're pretty much done, you know. So that's been pretty tight. But in, in being down in the basement with this weird weather that we have here where it's very nice in the day but kind of cold at night, we've had the heat turned off at night. The plants seem to be doing fine. I think the lowest we've seen the downstairs thermostat get is like 63 degrees, which is cold. I mean, that's chilly. That's the early morning. What are you going to do? The upstairs is like closer to 70. Anyway, that's without running the heat. And more or less running that infrared panel in the living room, the 600 watt one. But we just decided, with me being in the basement, it was even colder doing that caulking, to just move the panel down there, carry it down. It's on its stand that we built for it. And when we turned that thing on, man, it occurred to me, we've only ever had it in the side of the room the far end of the room. It's bi-directional. So if you put it in the middle of the room, as awkward as that can be, but it just so happened to be where it sat today, it puts heat out in both directions, and I felt it a lot sooner than I would have predicted that I would have felt it. It really warmed up the basement well. And that could be a fine use case for it in the 
even summer months, to be honest with you, the basement stays cold. So when you definitely do not need heat, I could see someone being chilly in the basement and turning on an infrared heater for 30 minutes could be nice. Anyway, I'm going to go get in the tub. Thank you very much. Come again tomorrow.